Welcome to episode 148 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. There I was waiting for the clerk's attention when I suddenly realized I had no idea what to request. I was moments away from getting measured for my first custom suit. This was a big deal for me. 2019 is my year to become an overnight success, 10 years in the making, and it was time to look the part. I quickly sent an SOS text to Dory Clark, my friend, mentor, and coach. She kindly responded with a couple of quick links to help me get up to speed. Who knew there were so many decisions to be made when buying a custom suit? Armed with this new information, I placed my order. Navy blue, single-breasted, two buttons, notch lapel, and three custom shirts. They'll go nicely with the new shoes I just purchased. I have to say, this wasn't what I was expecting when I started getting coached by Dory. I had some idea of what we'd be working on. If I want to command top fees, I need to be a recognized expert, and better than anyone, Dory knows what that entails. Getting published in a high-profile publication. I've been published twice recently in Harvard Business Review Ascend, and I'm working with an HBR editor. Sharing my idea on a TEDx stage. I've been applying for and feeling really good about my idea and my application. It's, It's really just a matter of time. Building my platform. I've been working on this for several years through writing a book and hosting a weekly podcast. It wasn't on the original list of what we'd be working on, But one of the benefits of being coached by Dory has been her advice and guidance around updating my wardrobe. I likely would have applied to do a TEDx without her support, but I wouldn't have ventured into the unknown world of custom attire. You don't know what you don't know. Your challenge for this week, you've been making a list of what you need to accomplish to reach your next level of success. Who have you consulted? What are you not thinking to include? Who has been where you're trying to go? Be open to feedback from those who've been on this journey longer than you and can offer some insights you'd never have thought to even ask about. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest believes everyone has the seeds of a great network within reach and that to establish genuine relationships, we must proactively meet people in person. She's an investor, advisor, speaker, author, and the founder of an advisory firm working with growth companies. She's invested in several innovative private companies which solve old problems in new ways. Inspired by the experiences of thousands of people she has interacted with over her 30-year career, she wrote, Meet 100 People, a how-to guide to the career and life edge everyone's missing. I know you're going to appreciate how she reframes networking to make it accessible joyful, and life-affirming. Her work is especially relevant for young professionals looking to build valuable, lifelong relationships. Please join me in welcoming Pat Headley. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much, Robbie. Thank you so much, Pat, for joining me from your office in Greenwich, Connecticut. As you know, this is a show about leadership and building strong networks. So tell me, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Um. To me, leadership means inspiring others to pursue a common and worthy objective. And and I think 
the worthy word is an important one. Um, I'm sure everybody defines it differently. But I think the ability to uh, motivate others, to have them come along with you, is, is what leadership really is about. And I think leaders can do this in a number of different ways. I think they, I mean, actually two main ways. One is by their words and the other is by their actions. And I think I first discovered that I might have the seeds of leadership when I was in high school and I actually joined like the speech club and scared myself by learning how to do speeches in in public. And um, what I found was that, you know, how you say what you say can inspire people. And if you can do that effectively, you can develop those skills over time. But I also know it's not just about what you say. And I actually found that in another very different way. And that is by being a parent, that what you say is not necessarily what's going to galvanize somebody to do something or to behave a certain way. I think how you act and and what you model does that much more effectively. And I certainly found that with my three children who are now grown adults and gainfully employed, I'm happy to say. Um, but I think that's, that is another point in my life, kind of different than in a business setting, where I felt that, you know, I had real responsibility to be a leader. And I had to think about not just what I said, but very much so how I acted and what I did. Oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff to unpack here, Pat. So um, I, I appreciate this idea of boiling it down to what we say and also how we act. I think you're right because you could have someone who purports to being a leader, says all the right things, but their behavior uh, illustrates that something else is going on and people are not going to want to follow that person. Um, worthy goal or not, they're not going to want to follow that person. And I'm also thrilled that you brought in your experience as a parent. As you know, I have two little ones, a one and three-year-old. And you're right um, that, boy, is that a lesson in leadership, um, a lifetime lesson in leadership that's constantly evolving. And much that we can take back to the business world um, about how we, we are and how we behave and what we say, what we actually do. So fantastic. You brought us back to high school and I appreciate that. A lot of times I ask this question and people start talking about, you know, business school or law school or grad school. And I always say, okay, what were you like on the playground? You know, like, so if you were digging even further back, were you um, kind of more outgoing or were you kind of watching the crowd? Like how, how were you with your peers? Did they, they turn to you for advice? Did they expect you to organize them to do things together? Um, or were you kind of like looking to other people for that? I, to be perfectly honest, as a child, I was very shy. I was reserved. And to this day, I think um, I have enough self-awareness to know that I am intrinsically an introvert. I am happy um, when I'm by myself, much as I now very much enjoy meeting people. And I know what drives that about me. Um, when I was young, I was a reader. I'm a reader still to this day. And I think that curiosity to learn, to read, is what has driven me to be a great networker over time. That's, I mean, I, you know, I've thought about this a lot. I've spent time reading and researching. I've spent time with other people who are excellent networkers. And I know that for me, what's driven that is my curiosity. And it's 
genuine and authentic. And when I meet new people, I no longer get intimidated the way I did when I was much younger. I have much more confidence in the whole process because I know I'm going to learn something. And, and I think of networking very differently than most people do. And I would love to inspire people to think about it in this way. I think about networking as a treasure hunt. I am going out and meeting somebody, and it's usually one person that you really connect with. It's hard to connect with 10 people simultaneously, but I am meeting somebody, and that person has a treasure. Everyone does. I really, truly believe it. And my job is to try to find that and uncover it. And I try to uncover it in finding ways in which we have some similarities, things that might connect us. And when that happens, and we're both successful in that because the other person also has to participate in this treasure hunt, then it's actually quite magical. And I feel that I learn so much from every single person that I meet. And I hope that I'm able to impart something to others when, when I meet with them as well. Well, I'm glad actually that you revealed that you were shy when you were younger, because I think a lot of people look at someone who has um, established themselves, that is doing really well in their field, um, that seems very confident with networking, and this assume that they were sort of born into that innate ability. And I always appreciate it when someone comes on and sort of shares how they're doing all this successfully with their own sense of it. They're not trying to fit into someone else's shoes. And so it sounds like you're no longer quite as shy as you were, but you still do um, have an appreciation for your more introverted nature and that the energy that it takes to go out and meet people is still more. I mean, then, so, I mean, I'm an outgoing extrovert, so I get energy from being around people, which I think is a privilege. But if you're aware of that, you're able to like use that to your own advantage in the sense that you know you're going to find connection. I love this idea of finding hidden treasure. That's so great. I call it uncommon commonalities. Mm. If you can find the thing that most people don't know and then you both have something in common, it's, it is kind of magic. It is. I mean, you know, when I think back to, um, to my early years, I, I was so reserved and there were certain things that happened to me that actually forced me out of it. My mom, uh, my parents were immigrants, so they were certainly not well connected in the United States. And they went through many of the trials and tribulations that many immigrants go through. And my mom ended up being an entrepreneur. She ran her own business and she ran it in our home at first. And only after a long period of time was she successful enough to have her own office. But when I was a young girl, uh, um, my mom enlisted me and my sister in helping. I mean, that was kind of part of what we did. We, um, we, my mom had a data entry business of all things. So we learned to type, which taught me I never wanted to do that for the rest of my life. And that was a very good lesson. But she also made us interact with clients and employees. And as a reserved, shy young girl, it was terrifying for me. And I remember the feelings that I had when my mom said, just answer the phone or just go do this. And, and I really had to force myself to do those things. And in retrospect, I'm so deeply grateful for being pushed out of my comfort zone at an early age. And I think unconsciously, you know, 
this ability to go out of my comfort zone has helped me tremendously in the course of my life. I mean, as I said in high school, you know, I, I joined the the speech team of all things, you know, tried to learn how to do public speaking. And the first time I did it, it was similarly terrifying. And in a way, I mean, something either good or bad came out of it. I actually did well. And so that kind of made me think, you know, if I could do this well, maybe I should try it more as opposed to saying, oh, I can't do this at all. I I actually found that I did have a little bit of a knack for it. And that forced me to do other things that pushed me out of my comfort zone. And one of the things that I tell my own, you know, young adult children, and I tell others is you grow when you push yourself out of your comfort zone. And meeting 100 people, much as it's a, it's a big metaphorical goal, it's also kind of a literal goal. I, if you go out and proactively, purposely meet people, unless you're very extroverted and it is easy, you know, you do push yourself out of your comfort zone. And that's when you grow. That's when you become the better version of whoever you are going to be. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I, you know, I usually ask people, you know, who inspired them when they were younger. And it sounds like your mother fits that role. And she really uh, gave you these amazing opportunities to interact. I, my father had a little side hustle in a, running a flea market booth when I was like eight to 14 years old. And my sister is six years older and all the other um, employees were older than her. So I was interacting with them they were six, eight, 12 years older than me. And um, I was interacting with all the customers, learned how to upsell. You know, if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. <laughs> all the things. I mean, the hardest boss you'll ever have is uh, your own family. <laughs> you know, no question. Like, uh, there was yeah. no slacking. <laughs> but what great opportunities to really learn that art of, of communication, communication across difference. You know, in the time you were a shy young girl and you were having to speak with adults who were very confident. And it obviously propels you forward to this day, teaching you all these lessons. Now you brought up this uh, Meet 100 People and I, I watched your TEDx, which we'll put a link in uh, the show notes to your TEDx, which I thought was fantastic. And it tells a little bit of the origin story of this. But I have to tell you a little side note. Um, when my first son was seven months, seven months old, I was at a conference and I met someone who was a you know multi-millionaire franchise owner, you know, uh, professional speaker, coach. He like did all these awesome things. But the book that he had released was about um, the, the lessons he learned from golden retrievers. <laughs> and um, so I'll find, I'll find the book link and we'll put that in there too. It was a really <laughs> cute book. And he told me he had all these rescues, all these um, golden retriever rescues. And this is where it's going in the story, okay? If a, if a puppy has um, 100 human connections in the first six months of life and they're all positive, that will become a dog who loves people. Oh, and at the time beautiful. he says this, I'm like, my son's seven months old. He's definitely met a hundred people who have been really good to him. And so I was like, oh, that's part of it. It's like, you know, it's a sort of a repeat exposure. And that eventually, because then after that, if one person doesn't treat you as well, you have a hundred reference points that tells you something right. else. Right. That's about. the aberration. That's right. not normal. Right. Yeah. So I think that this is difficult at first because you don't have that hundred um, to look at. But my wife went through this experience when she was looking for a job. She, um, living with me, knew the networking was an important part of that um, activity. 
And so she would find someone at her new, the, the job she wanted. She would find someone at that company who shared something about her history, um, you know, in, in her higher ed background. And she reached out. Well, the first three people she reached out to were very generous and scheduled time to talk to her. Well, that changed the entire game for her because now she's like looking for the yes. She was looking for the opportunity to connect. And it went from trepidation and fear to excitement and joy. So, you know, I can see how initially she's kind of, you know, more of a shy person. This felt completely outside her comfort zone. But then it was like, well, why wouldn't I do this? I mean, it's, it's resulting in fantastic conversations. So tell me a little bit about like how you've seen this really impact people. What's, what's been the, the reward for people who've taken on this sort of meet 100 people challenge? There, I mean, I have been like completely awed and honored by the stories that have come back to me. And I have seen it in my own life and I've seen it in others' lives firsthand. Um, Sometimes, you know, people just think you need to meet people and interview when you're looking for a job. And I would say, and, and there's a lot of pressure as a result. You, you know, you need to impress someone. You're only going there to get something, which is a job. It's just a much more stressful experience. And this advice was given to someone that I know, and I mentioned it in the book, when they were going through a job search. And this very successful executive woman said, forget about the job search. Just go out and meet 100 people. And this young man who was absolutely an introvert and completely like, you know, surprised by this advice because the job search had caused him so much stress said, you know what? I have nothing to lose. I'm going to stop my old way and go ahead with this new method. And it totally completely changed his life. He ended up meeting more than a hundred people. He gained confidence that he did not have before. He was able to speak to people and learn from them in a very authentic and different way than he ever had. He ultimately did get a job, but what he got was so much more. It was a tool set and a mindset for his future growth and development. Because I think you know, a job is just one little outcome of meeting people. There is so much more. You get to learn about yourself. You get to gain additional confidence. You get to learn about what's going on in the world. Set benchmarks, you know, figure out what good looks like. If I meet 10 people within an industry in a certain functional area, I'll be able to tell which one is like really knowledgeable and which one perhaps is less knowledgeable or can't communicate their knowledge as effectively. And I always say to young people when I speak, you know what a good professor looks like because you've had a lot, right? Everyone can tell me who their favorite professor is. You would not be able to do that if you've only had one. And so this idea of meeting many people gives you benchmarks and perspective. And it's something even for very senior executives. So I was in private equity. One of the things that we brought to bear to our companies was we meet, you know, dozens upon dozens of people in certain executive roles, like a chief financial officer. Whereas the person who was running the company may have only met one or two. So we knew how that, you know, his particular, his or her particular CFO might rank because we had that perspective. And one of the things that we would be able to impart 
was to show somebody what good looked like. And you only figure that out with time and spending time with people. So the benefit is so broad. Yeah, this professor analogy is so apt. It really is. And I think particularly if you're talking to a young professional just getting started, because they can clearly, within probably the first class session, tell you whether this is a, a professor they want to stick around with or not. Right. <laughs> you know, right. because they have that body of knowledge. And that's kind of what you're saying is like this idea of meeting 100 people is about developing a body of knowledge around an area, um, around an industry, around a, a particular role within a, within a company so that you can better judge the advice you're getting. Right, because you know, is this actually a reputable person? Do they know? Do they actually know what they're talking about? I think that's one of the hard things when we first go out there and we try to expand our network in a diverse way. We take as gospel the advice we hear from the first person who fits that diversity, you know, whatever that lens is you're looking at, and that's just one person's point of view. Until you've really met a number of people in that demographic, let's say, or in that function role. It's hard to really know, you know, whether what that person is saying really is like good right. advice to follow or not, you know? Right. Yeah, that's, well, I've we, never really thought about it, but it is sort of a testament to you trusting yourself and that everything you know to this point is because of who you've already met. Right, right. I always say consider the source. So, you know, you need to know a little bit about the person before you have a sense of whether that fits with all the other data points that you've been gathering. And, and look, it's, when you think about a journalist, what do they do? They go out and talk to people firsthand, and then they write that up and share it with others. So by meeting a lot of people, you, have, you are being your own journalist on life. You are actually fulfilling that role of getting that research and learning and, 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 in, and accumulating that information in a way that's unique to yourself and very, could be very valuable to whatever else you're doing. So I want to hear a little bit about the work you're doing today, because this is sort of a fun side hustle project that you have really because you believe so deeply in the values of, of this kind of, this type of relationship building. But you also, uh, you're an investor. I think that's, you you have this 30-year history working for one company. Um, you went on your own. You are trusting your gut based, I think, it sounds like your your knowledge of who you've already met, right? So gut gut checks are also based on knowledge and, and past history. And you're um, taking the time to really invest in some innovative companies. What an, what an awesome responsibility and opportunity. What's been, what's been most rewarding for you in this new chapter of, uh, that you're in? Uh, there have been so many things that are incredibly rewarding. And, um, and look, I, I love meeting entrepreneurs. I gave you an insight into why that is part of my personality. I grew up in that environment. I love my mom. I, I, I see some of those traits. I mean, entrepreneurs share certain traits that I find to be incredibly attractive. I think entrepreneurs are passionate. They're energetic. They don't take no for an answer. They think everything is possible. They have a million ideas. They, they inspire people. They are, you know, they are leaders. They, you know, motivate people in their enthusiasm. So meeting entrepreneurs is something I truly enjoy um, doing. Finding those individuals that I feel I have um, a, a way to help and we have similar um, 
basically similar characteristics like deep integrity, you know, a commitment. There are certain things that I look for, pattern recognition, where I feel like, um, you know, the entrepreneur has those qualities and I feel like I can be helpful to them. And if I take a bet, they're going to be successful. I mean, they may be successful without me, but I, I'd love to be able to participate in that success. So finding those individuals is, is part of the fun for me. I also am looking for um, products and services with which I resonate. So I will not invest in something that I am not proud of and that I won't brag about. And I've invested in 12 companies to date, seven are led by women. I'm very proud of all of them. I do love working with female entrepreneurs and I'm excited to be able to do that in a bigger way than I have in the past. But I want to be able to put on my phone cover, um, Hint Water, which is a company I'm an investor in and tell everybody, which I do, because I'm proud of what they're doing. I in that particular instance, I'm a real believer in health and wellness. Um, they produce uh, water with a little bit of a uh, hint of a fruit flavoring, no sugar, and it's really on that, that trend. And so when I find something or a company like that with an individual and an entrepreneur who is inspiring, that to me is a perfect match. And then I, you know, I do invest my own capital and it for me, it's not about investing and going away. For me, it's about investing and being helpful. And that's, again, you know, the source of that is my history and working with my previous company. Our entire goal was not just to find great companies, but to find ways that we can be helpful to accelerate those companies' growth and do things that will be valuable to them. So that's, you know, that's what I do for my, uh, you know, for for most of my time. And, And it's been just gratifying to see these companies grow and many of them are younger entrepreneurs and I love watching the evolution, Mm. the learning process. I love kind of the way in which it's almost like finding some of these as seeds. They're not uh, startups. They're a little bit later stage because I feel more comfortable a little bit later stage, but it's like finding a, a bud and then it opens up over time and the company grows and develops and, you know, hopefully does does well. So you're actually uh, investing, but then finding ways to formally or informally continue as an advisor. Is that? That's the idea. That's yeah. the idea. And it could, and it could be in a more formal way, but informally, um, the ways that I like to be helpful is really in large part through my network, um, helping people access resources that they need faster and better. Mm -hmm. Um, going from point A to C without stopping at B, like getting right to where they need to go in terms of either meeting somebody and they could be financing sources. They could be strategic partners. They could be potential clients. They could be talent. Mm -hmm. And, and I say that there are certain professions and I think, you know, at some point in time, all of us will be in that, those kind of roles where being able to network is table stakes. So if an entrepreneur is not able to do that well, I think they're going to be more limited in their future success. The people that I have found that, you know, do it really well, it, it, it's a step function above those that, that don't in terms of not just their own ability to get things done, but their um, company success. You know, you're, you're reminding me of a philosophy that I have that I share with my clients all the time. I, I believe that every business challenge can be met through relationships. I agree. You know, you've seen this in action over and over again, you know, rather than throwing money at problems, who do you know, or who do you need to know, or who knows the person you need to know? Right. <laughs> more thing. And how do you get it done? 
How do yeah. you, how do you, and, or how do you get the information you need to make better decisions? Right. And that's, that's about networking too. That's about finding the right sources. How do you become knowledgeable? I mean, how did Elon Musk learn about traveling to Mars? I mean, he did not study that. He, you know, he, he actually went out and met people who were experts in that area. Mm-hmm. That's how anybody embarks on something new and different is by meeting people who are those experts. So now I want to mention just, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this, but David Burkis wrote Friend of a Friend. It's a great book. And it's all about the power of our networks in this mm-hmm. sense that there's, if they're not in your circle, they're sort of like one layer out, friend of a friend. It's a fantastic right. book. We'll put a link in the show notes. So now that, uh, you know, you, you've done this for yourself, I'm curious, um, you, you've had this 30-year history where you were constantly meeting people. Um, you're now invested in these 12 companies. You, again, are always out and about meeting people. How do you think about nurturing and sustaining not that inner circle, but that second and third sort of layer out, the people you meet maybe annually at a conference or you used to work with in a past tense kind of way, but you don't have a current project? Like, What's your habits or philosophies or practices around sustaining those connections? I think one of the things that I try to do, and and I have to become even more systematic about it because this does get challenging with the number of people that you meet, is keep myself very informed. I read a tremendous amount. I read, um, you know, current events, news. And when I see something that reminds me of someone I've met, I share it with them right away. So I try to continue to um, keep my network close by sharing with them things that I think will be of interest or use to them. And I think, and people have done that with me as well. I just this morning, I got an article from somebody that I hadn't talked to in a while. And she said, great mention of one of your companies. And honestly, just the fact that she thought of me brought me a little bit closer to her. And immediately I responded and and I actually offered her um, an opportunity that I had been looking at, which I might not have as easily done if that inbound hadn't occurred. So I really think it's important to find ways to reach back out to people. And I think sending them articles or inviting them to an event or seeing if they're going to a conference, all of those are ways to do it. I think another thing that's really important is to work on trying to bring people together. So having breakfasts or lunches for more than one of your contacts is incredibly, um, it's, first of all, it's very efficient. So it makes it a little bit easier to have five to six people for breakfast. And secondly, you're giving each of them a gift by introducing them to one another. And so there are ways to kind of take people who are a little bit more disparate, who you might not see you know, every day or every week or every month, and reach out to them and bring them together and introduce them to other people. Yeah. And that, solves a lot of, you yeah. know, wonderful um, purposes in, in kind of strengthening the network. I actually think that last point you made about um, hosting, convening people is also a real strength uh, for introverts. Um, Dora Clark has talked about that at some length. Um, she's written about it and she is an introvert. Her energy is, you know, best at home, uh, recharging. But she moved to New York City and started a very uh, strenuous schedule of twice a month dinners. But she said it was a lot less effort to organize these twice a month dinners for eight to 10 people 
then go out four times a week trying to like pop in and out of these large events. And her impact was much greater doing the dinner. And it doesn't have to be dinner. It could be coffee. It could be breakfast. It could be anything. I like doing this at conferences, you know, hosting something sort of on the side the night before it kicks off or at the end of the event for people I get to meet along the way. I think, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great thing for people to think about, particularly if they, they're not sure what to do or say at a networking event, right. gathering people, they'll take care of that for you. Right. <laughs> they'll talk and you just kind of reap the benefits. One of the things that, that I find is that people really respond well to such invitations. Like-minded people want to meet other like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people say, well, n- no one ever invites me. You can't wait for somebody to invite you. You have to be the one to make the outreach. And so when you take it upon yourself as a responsibility to say, I'm going to be the convener, it's actually remarkable. People people always say yes, they come. I mean, I, I found this out at my previous uh, job. One of the things that I found to be really important was to bring people in certain functional roles together. And I happened to be focused on the head of talent role And I reached out to all of our portfolio companies. And by region, I had gatherings of these people who were the heads of talent. And the reason I did it was because I actually, I was given this new assignment at work, which I call a blank sheet of paper assignment. And I was not the most knowledgeable. So it was my like clever way of gathering other people together to help educate me. And honestly, it worked so well. They were grateful to me because I brought them together. I got to listen in on their conversation, so I became more knowledgeable. And it was an incredibly virtuous cycle. And all I had to do was to be the convener. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's, it's, in some ways, it's so simple and far less effort than running around trying to have coffee with everyone. Right. Also, that would be a lot of coffee. And <laughs> people don't find as much value in the idea of you, quote unquote, picking their brain over coffee. They would much rather come to a community space. In fact, another great resource for this is um, Jason Gennard. Uh, He wrote a book called Mastermind Dinners, Build Lifelong Relationships by Connecting Experts, Influencers, and Lynchpins. He's the host of a a great podcast called Community Made. So it's just like really thinking about how do you kind of gather people together, either on a topic or I enjoy just bringing together a disparate group of people because they always find those, uh, you know, yeah. they find something, un, you know, uncommon commonality that they are. How did you know that we like? And I'm like, I, they just think I'm a superhuman machine. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't. I don't actually know that. I just know that if you create a certain space, people will find that for each other. So um, this is one of my favorite questions. I love asking people um, as we're kind of wrapping up. But if we're connecting again a year from now, and I, I do hope that we stay in touch between now and then. But if we're connecting a year from now and we are toasting all of your successes, what are we going to be celebrating? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? Oh, that's a great question. Honestly, I, I, I am so happy when others that I know succeed. So, I mean, on a personal you know, front, I am the biggest fan of my children and their careers. I love toasting their successes. So if we got to do that, I'd be super excited. Um, I, um, I really care about the companies I invested in and, you know, whenever they have successes, I feel like I'm succeeding. I really do feel aligned with them. So that makes me super excited. Um, You know, 
I, I am excited to spread the message on Meet 100 People. And I've been so incredibly, in a way, surprised by, um, but also gratified by how well it's resonated. And, you know, the opportunity to meet incredibly interesting people has like increased as a result of that. And, and I love that. I love, you know, the chance to talk to people like you and to, um, to expand my own network in, in ways that I otherwise might not have. And that's been super exciting to me. I mean, like I said at the beginning, I curiosity is what drives me and I love to learn and I love to stretch myself and to grow. And so, you know, I think that hopefully that will continue over the course of many years. Absolutely. You really embody um, in your work, in your life, uh, this this idea of meet 100 people. I mean, you have lived it. So it's now a wonder to me that it resonates with people because they can see the proof in, in how you're living and how it's impacted your work, the companies you've invested in, um, your own children's lives, I'm sure. So that's all amazing. And so Pat, how can people find you and follow your work? Um, well, I do have a website and it's uh, meet100people.com. Uh, 100 being numbers, 100. Uh, I am on both Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So I, uh, I'm out there on social media. Um, I would, you know, I love people to consider the book for the young person in their lives. It's a perfect graduation gift. Um, I have heard others say that it's really made a huge difference in terms of their ability to just go out there and have the confidence and the tools to be able to talk to people and build relationships effectively. Um, so I, I hope people will consider it and, and take a look at it. Well, it's perfectly timed because this episode airs right around June. And I know that people will be uh, attending lots of graduation parties for high school students, for college students and grad students. What a great idea to give them this gift uh, resource to really help them start building those valuable lifelong relationships. Thank you so much, Pat, for being on the show. Thank you so much, Robbie. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Pat. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 148. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show. Have you been thinking about working with me, but you're not ready to commit to a six-month program? Send me an email to ask about the More Fundamentals, a three-month program that gets you the information you need to take your business to the next level through relationship-based business strategies, and you get access to the community that will support you. My email is Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. If you enjoyed this episode with Pat, please share with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and I look forward to connecting again next week. We'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an awesome week.
Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.